0: Well, welcome to our second season of Knowledge Cast. If you're a regular listener, we're just glad to have you back. And if you're a first time listener, we hope you enjoy today's podcast and we'll come back next week. We have a a great list of guests this spring and you can read about them by going to www.jackwwilliams.com and scroll down to the podcast section. Well, today our special guest is, is Ben Hartsock. Ben is a 2003 graduate of The Ohio State University. He was a member of the 2002 Ohio State football team that won the national championship. He was later a third-round pick of the Indianapolis Colts, spent 10 years in the NFL with several teams. And Ben now has branched out into the world of media. And so we're going to get into a little of that today as well as his sports background. So, Ben, we're glad to have you with us
1: today. Absolutely glad to be here. Thanks, Jack.
0: Well, ben the, the national championship game that you guys had against miami was one of the the greatest all time uh that i've can remember with you guys the good guys winning in two overtimes tell uh tell our audience a little bit about that experience and you know as an aside i'm sure nobody's asked your opinion on that pass interference call at the end of the first overtime but uh <laughs> Tell us your experience of winning that national championship. What was that like?
1: You know, I have, that is a, a polarizing moment in college sports history. And you know, that everybody, everybody, will say, well, that game, that you didn't win the national title. That was a, that was a phantom pass interference. I said, you know, the funny thing, they gave us the rings. I've got them right here in my, in my <laughs> safe. And we got to stand on that stage and, and watch that confetti rain down. So as uh, controversial as it was, we're in the record books. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is um, they ranked the national champions of the 21st century since the year 2000. And we were ranked dead last. And, you know, <laughs> but I, I tell people, I said, you know what they call the the team ranked dead last on that list? Champion. National <laughs> champions. That's, exactly That's right. right. That's right. That, but that, that that game though, we were uh, major underdogs, fourteen point underdogs to a University of Miami team that uh, hadn't lost in two years up until that point. I mean, they were legendary talent, and if you look through the roster uh, from Willis McGahee to Sean Taylor to Vince Wolferk and and I mean, the talent all over. They had never been beat, but we um we rose to that occasion, and and they had never been challenged. They had beat everyone so handily over the course of those two years, they had never been in a fist fight. And at that season for us in 02, we had won a couple of games in overtime and multiple games came down to the last possession. So we knew once we got into a a fist fight or rock fight that we were in an advantageous position. And once it got down to the very end where they had never seen an overtime, well, we had seen it multiple times that year. We were, we were at an, uh, at an advantage and were able to get an iconic win in Ohio state history for sure.
0: You know, that's an interesting observation. People that don't play sports don't understand how important that is to be challenged along the way. And you never know how you're going to respond until you, you, you find yourself you back up against the wall. Well, Ben, you go from winning a national championship in college to joining a team with superstars like Peyton Manning and Dwight Finney and Dallas Clark and Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Edgar James, and I'm gonna throw in Jeff Saturday's name as well because I'm gonna I want to make him happy. I want to have him as a future guest. What What was it like walking into a locker room with all those big name stars?
1: Uh, it was intimidating, um, even as a guy that played at a big time school like Ohio State and have won a national championship and was a you know relatively high draft pick you walk into a place like the Indianapolis Colts that were perennial playoff team and and perennial Super Bowl contenders uh it was intimidating uh but I was greeted by a great group of of teammates uh you mentioned a lot of those guys Peyton Manning as talented uh and as gifted as he was, he was a great teammate. Jeff Saturday was a big brother. Uh, Dwight Freeney, as talented as he was on the defensive end position, he was a, a hard worker. And so I'm thankful for that opportunity to walk into an, an intimidating environment full of guys that I watched play on Sundays for several years, but then be welcomed and included, uh, even in, in amid some struggle. I struggled when I was with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, but one of the hallmarks of that team was, Tony Dungy and, and Bill Pulley and the general manager, they built a team with guys of high character, guys that you'd let date your sister, right? Like, like not just good football players. I, I was on football teams where there were guys that you wouldn't leave your keys uh, unattended, that you wouldn't, uh, you know, trust them in a room with your, your mom. Uh, but this was a, a group full of guys that you were proud to call teammates, and I'm thankful for that experience when I was there.
0: What was it like
1: playing with Peyton? What kind, You got any Peyton stories? Yeah. I mean, lots of them. Um, like I said, great teammate, always inclusive. Uh, he, he knew that everybody in the world was looking at him and he handled that well. Uh, but he enjoyed football. You could tell as a teammate, he loved meetings. He loved practice. He loved the hot tub before practice, just being that really the locker room was his safe space because he could let his hair down and and be one of the guys but when you think about Peyton Manning, you think about his attention to detail, uh, and the story that I have that that illustrates that was when I was a freshman, I was at the in the, the the lunch area, and there was a table full of I don't know five or six of us, all the draft picks and new guys that were on the team. We were all getting to know one another, and uh, it was a big room cafeteria style. And Peyton Manning walks in from across the room, and we all kind of like that record scratch moment. The moment stops, and we're like, oh. There he is. That's gosh, it's Peyton Manning. And we all kind of have to snap ourselves out of it and say, well, relax. That's our teammate. You can't be starstruck by a guy that's your teammate, but he, he walks uh, up to this table of, 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 of rookies and he goes and proceeds to introduce himself to each one of us. Having already learned our name, he, he walked up to me, he goes, Hey Ben, my name's Peyton. Really glad to have you on the team. Excited to get started. And I was just, So blown away in that moment, but it it further fulfills what we knew about him. Every detail is worth focusing on no detail left unattended to that. He went and and learned all of the faces. Think of the, the, the work that went into the effort to knowing not just who we drafted, but learning their names so that when the first time we get introduced to him, he shows us that respect by already knowing our name beforehand, such a small thing. But as a guy that you know about his level of preparation, it's not surprising that he would do that.
0: Uh, well, that, that's, that, is, that is powerful. What a great uh, impact that that would have on me if that happened to, to my situation. Uh, Tom Moore, his, his coach, was my college coach. And uh, no I, called up, I called up Tom uh, while he was up there one time, and I said, Tom, I said, you've all of a sudden become a really good coach. I said, why didn't you, why didn't you coach me up? Like
1: you coach Peyton up. I said, what does he have that I
0: didn't have? He
1: just I laughed. used to, I, I had a coach. Uh, I was with the Atlanta Falcons when they got Tony Gonzalez, the tight end, the hall of famer. And I used to give that coach a hard time. I said, listen, the only task you have that's really meaningful is make sure Tony gets on the bus to go to the stadium. That's all you really need to do. You're not really coaching. You're just collecting a paycheck. And that's what Tom said. I just
0: make sure he knows whether you know what time zone that, you know we're playing <laughs> in, so that he doesn't miss the bus. Uh, well, t- let's switch quarterbacks for a minute. Uh, I heard on your your radio show you shared a little quick story about one of the practices that you had with the Patriots, where Tom Brady uh, wasn't too fond of a route that you ran. Uh, tell that story.
1: Yeah. Uh- I played ten years in the NFL, but I I tried to play an eleventh. You know, the NFL is is a unique um, career choice in that it's over only when you say it's over. You know, at the end of a career with a corporation, you may have a retirement party and a and a watch or a clock from the the owner and a you know you know note from the CEO saying thanks for your service. That doesn't happen in the NFL. So in my 11th year, I was trying to make a roster and and doing workouts, didn't have a team, but was trying to stay in shape, went to the New England Patriots to hopefully keep the NFL abreast. I knew I wasn't going to make that team, but I was a 34-year-old role player that uh, wasn't on a team all spring. So I thought, you know what, I'll go there, get some preseason film. I probably won't make that roster because they had Rob Gronkowski and others, but the NFL will see Hartsocks in shape. He's still you know, capable. And off we go. Well, I never made it that far. I got cut after four days and a large part of that probably was during one of my last practices, I was out of my element. Rob Gronkowski catches the ball, you know, running wide receiver routes all over the field Well, I'm playing his position as during my career, I was a a blocking tight end, a guy attached to the line of scrimmage ran. I only scored one touchdown in 10 years. So that gives you a frame of reference of my, uh, my role. (laughs) But nonetheless, this is my circumstance. And so I'm, I'm lined up out at a wide receiver position and I'm talking in my mind, I'm, I'm you know, positive talk, Hey, you're going to run this route. You're going to catch this ball. You're going to score a touchdown. You're going to make this team, right? Like hy- hyping myself up. Well, I proceed to run the route at the end of the, uh, you know, the play, I turn around and him and to catch the football and directly next to me is Julian Edelman. Well, you know, Jack, in football, if you're ever standing directly next to another receiver, somebody's in the wrong place. I've clearly run the wrong uh, the wrong route. And Tom Brady throws the ball, slams it down in the ground, and is just irritated that we ra- wasted a rep of that practice. And he proceeds to scream, I got it, Brian! Like, kind of sheepishly look at him, wave, and I said, my name's Ben, but you know, I'll let myself out <laughs> here to that side. <laughs> and it wasn't too much longer after that. I, I don't think it was that specific play that got me cut, but it was uh, a series of incidents not too dissimilar to that that probably expedited my my release from the New England <laughs> Well, you got to say you got to play with him. What, right. what are you going to remember most about your NFL
0: experiences?
1: Oh, gosh, there's there are so many. Um, it's It's not all swimming pools and movie stars. Uh, for for every Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, there are hundreds of guys like myself uh, that were journeymen, were were mercenaries. You're uh, moved from one play team to the next, and you're you're kind of a hired gun in that uh, sense. So it's it's not a it wasn't a glamorous experience for me, but it was an a spectacular one nonetheless. I mean, a lifetime of memories that I had uh, during those ten years that they're still. I, I, you know, anybody that knows that I played the game, they, they can't get enough. People are so fascinated by getting to this mountaintop. And I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever heard the statistics, like the, uh, it's not lost on me how I hit the the, the, the middle of the bullseye that there's roughly a, a million high school football players that play uh, high school football every year. And of that million high school football players, not, not 2% play in the NFL, not, play in the NFL, 0.02% ever play in the NFL. And and of that 0.02% that that make it to the NFL, the average career length is is just a touch over three years. And so I I tripled that playing, playing 10, the way that I did. Uh, So I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful. When I think of my experience, I'm just grateful for uh, how incredible it was to have that adventure Uh, highs uh, you know, a game away from the Super Bowl, never made it to a Super Bowl, won a college national championship, stood on that stage and, and I got to hold the, the crystal football and have the confetti rain down. Didn't make it in the NFL, but was a game away. I didn't realize how big of a deal it was to play in an AFC championship until I was done, until I was living with some friends here in, in Georgia, where we call home now, and I had a playoff party. Uh, for the for the couple of years after, and guys were just so engaged in it. I thought, well, I was there just a couple of years ago. <laughs> and, you know, especially when the playoffs, when when there's just a couple of teams playing and it's really the only show in town, it, it was just truly such an absolute blessing uh, to experience it that uh, every day that goes by, the memories get a little bit more sweet. What was the biggest adjustment you had to
0: make after your playing days were over?
1: Well, I, I was a little um, – I don't, I don't know if cocky is the right word, but I, as a guy that was kind of always near the bubble or near the bottom of the roster, I spent a lot of time kind of game planning what would be next, you know, maybe. Uh, so I, I had a plan in place. And uh, I think one of the struggles for me was that, you know what, I know that my work isn't my identity, My my identity, ultimately, I knew was in Christ and that no matter whether I was playing football or digging ditches, my identity was in Christ. And so it didn't matter what I would do. I would be okay. I, I knew that I wasn't going to struggle with that gladiator syndrome, where now that I'm not in the arena, not in the stadiums, and the fans aren't there, that wasn't going to be a struggle for me. My struggle came through the lens of finding the right mountain to climb. Uh, think, think about this, Jack, you know, most people when they graduate high school, they have to make a choice of well, what uh, what major do I want? What school do I want? What kind of choices do I have to make? If you look at my career from high, grass, uh, graduation in high school till my retirement from the NFL, I didn't have many choice hard choices. Uh, I got offered a scholarship to Ohio State. I grew up in Ohio. My parents, aunts, uncles, like. Ohio State was my dream school, so you get offered to go play at Ohio State. That's not a decision. That, that that's right. You're you know it, no a brand. Deal. done deal lock it yeah. in. And at the end of my my time at Ohio State, hey, would you like to get drafted into the NFL? I'll never I, you know I got uh, contacted by NFL agents. Hey, we'd like to represent you during your NFL career. So <laughs> at the time, my 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 uh, studies were through pre med. I was pursuing medicine. So, do I do med school or do I go to the NFL? That's not really a hard choice, right? And then for a decade, uh, I, you know, again, not a not the glamorous style lifestyle of the NFL, but for a decade, I'm able to support my family by playing professional football. That the the absolute pinnacle of the sport. That that's not a hard choice. Even though I went to multiple teams and I had a little bit of choice of which team I got to go through through the process, that wasn't a hard choice to go through. But here I was. 34-year-old former football player making the first, for the first time, career choices, life choices about the direction that I want to lead my now, you know, my wife and I, and my, we had two daughters. So we have two daughters. So at that time, it was really the first time that I'd ever had to navigate those waters. And and that was intimidating. Uh, and one that um, it's, it, it's it's been a challenge. And so I was a little blindsided by that because I was like, I'm not, I don't, my identity's in my faith and my, in my savior. It's not in my work, but there's some learning curve to making those choices of, of what you're going to do now that the choices become a little bit more varied. Sure. Sure. Well, let me ask you a
0: question. Um, you got, you, you were originally going to try to do a sports agent role, which to Mm -hmm. try to Add a little credibility to that industry, which is hard <laughs> to do. Um, but you got into the world of media. Tell us about what you're doing now and how you got there. We've got about three minutes before we need to wrap up. So tell yeah, us about sure. uh, that experience.
1: I, uh, I was working as an agent and was a square peg in a round hole. And leaving that was a challenge because in my world, I had only taken careers to the pinnacle to be the best. And so the thought of leaving that was foreign to me. But my wife was so supportive and she said, stop, you don't, you don't have to. And so I, I left that, that space, not necessarily knowing that media would be next. I had pursued that some, but media filled a void. And, and it has become something that I didn't know I would enjoy as much as I did. You know, it's kind of cliche. Every former player wants to be in in, in a media when they're done. That wasn't necessarily the case for me, but an opportunity was presented. And I have found such fulfillment in being able to share my own experiences, but also in the world of college athletics, especially, I feel a responsibility to point to the things that I find, I think are most important. Team, selflessness, sacrifice, discipline, challenge, uh, all of those kinds of, because in, in college athletics, It's become so much more transactional. It's about money. It's about name image likeness. It's about you getting yours. How can you build whatever you want? So I feel a responsibility for that. And it has been such a satisfying and such a fulfilling thing for me to pursue.
0: Well, tell us about the show you're on. Uh, I know
1: you do several things. Yeah. So in the world of broadcasting, there's lots, a lot of guys wear a lot of hats. So I work for Sirius XM radio and I'm on uh, ESPNU as their college sports channel. Uh, right now, I'm on there uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 to 4 p.m. I'm hoping to get a little bit more there. Uh, but then on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, uh, I'm on the Big Ten channel, speaking about specifically to the Big Ten from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, but then another thing I'm doing, uh, I, I, well, I call games for ESPN Radio. I did that all football season on ESPN Radio. Uh, but I also started a YouTube channel. Uh, it's just my name. Ben Hartsock right now is the name of the channel, and it's a way for me to – share some of my experiences of going to these incredible college environments. I've been to Penn state. I've been to uh, uh, the swamp down at Florida. I got to go to the Grove at Ole Miss this year, the big house at Michigan. Uh, Some of it is, is behind the scenes of my own broadcast career, but a lot of it is just a former player's experience of soaking in these college environments. As a player, you're so insulated. You you go to the hotel and then you go to the stadium and then you go to the airport. That's kind of how you, You don't get to soak it in. So I'm enjoying seeing a lot of these sites that fans get to see from a, from a former player perspective. And I've really, really enjoyed that.
0: Well, Ben, it's been a great pleasure having you uh, with us today. And I've certainly enjoyed the time together and I know our audience has as well. Uh, And I just appreciate you, you sharing your time with us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for what you're doing, Jack. All righty until next week. Remember folks, I want to encourage you to make it your goal to be a positive influence in the lives of others.
2: Hey, before you go, we wanted to let you know about Jack's book called The Question, a guide to answering life's most important question. In this book, Jack shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide his life. Whether you are a spouse, parent, grandparent, friend, leader, educator, coach, or mentor, Jat's I Believe Statement applies to all the roles he has played during his lifetime and can do the same for you. Jat's message applies to all people, ages, and careers. It's an easy read with compelling stories, enjoyable humor, and sincere transparency. The question is now available in ebook and paperback, exclusively on Amazon. Go to jackwwilliams.com/thequestion to learn more and buy your copy today. Again, thanks for joining us for this episode, and join us next week for an all-new episode of KnowledgeCast by Ideals.